Ever wondered how to bring the magic of nature play into your child's education? Or how to say goodbye to your worries about snakes and ticks? Well, with Nature Play Now, crafting an epic outdoor program is easier than you think. You'll boost your confidence, skill sets, and have parents eager to enroll. Join the adventure for just $57 exclusively for Raising Wildlings listeners. Visit our Raising Wildlings website for more details today. Ever dreamt about hitting the road with your kids and heading out back? Today, homeschooling mum, Lisa Crompton, tells us about what and how she did just that whilst road schooling her own children. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. One of the best parts of hosting this podcast is the people that we've met online. Today's guest, Lisa Crompton, is just one of them. Lisa is a mother to two gorgeous kids who are naturally learning without school. They live on Kana land in the Adelaide Hills and since COVID have been travelling Australia by road at every opportunity they get. Lisa actually contacted us via Facebook, letting us know that she'd been enjoying our podcast and that she'd been road schooling her kids through the outback of South Australia and the Nullarbor and was hoping to connect with us if she ever got up to Queensland for her next trip. Well, the photos of her outback trip really caught our eye and we asked her if she'd like to join us on the podcast to tell us all about road schooling and how it worked for her family. But before we start, don't forget to check out our free downloadables at wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash free dash downloadables. You might like to check out our wild schooling car checklist to help make it easier to get you and your own wildlings out on the road. But for now, we're actually going to jump straight into the middle of the conversation that Lisa and I were having. I have to be honest, Lisa and I got chatting straight away (laughs) and both of us can talk with a mouthful of marbles. So we didn't actually do an intro for this podcast. And instead of stopping our conversation that was going so well, I actually just hit record. So to fill you in, we were talking about the differences between Queensland and South Australia with the documentation requirements for homeschoolers. And I have just quickly, as you're about to hear now, I quickly paused her for a second and hit record so that she could explain that and keep her train of thought. So this will be a little bit disjointed, but the conversation flows really smoothly from now on. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for understanding that, you know, we're homeschooling mums and we record in a little sunroom in a Queenslander and half the time we're not sure we know what we're doing, but gosh, we enjoy it and we're so glad that you're here along the ride. Enjoy. Documentaries. <laughs> Right. Okay. But you obviously you pass, right? Yeah. And this is the thing is that I shouldn't say we're terrible. I think I feel terrible because coming from teaching where everything is so heavily documented um, compared to unschooling, but it'd be nice for people to, I think we've touched on it somewhere. I can't think where, but it would be really awesome. A, if you could tell us about how SA, what South Australia needs for registration and then what you do to document that would be incredible oh yeah and what do they exactly want that is a good question see I don't I'd I'd have to okay so I can't 
yeah succinctly let you know exactly what they're after but I can well, really and if you don't it. that's fine we just yeah. avoid it like I've been avoiding it for 50 something no. <laughs> no 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 I'm happy give it a crack yeah but I and again I think it's the essence though I think it's just showing people over and over again that it can be done like whether we can articulate it perfectly doesn't actually matter it's that I was scared once I didn't think I'd be able to do it but you know the reports are getting through so obviously it's okay yeah, um yeah. and it doesn't help that Vicky and I are teachers because everyone else says oh yeah but you're a teacher but the reporting's so different it's so different and so much easier so um yeah yeah it's not it's not I think it'd be great to yeah it's not that. a great that we're yeah yeah. No. Okay, cool. All right. So I was just wondering right. if that, because even when I, you know, when I first started out and I was looking at podcasts, I wanted to know about that. You know, how do you, you know, when you ask them, but tell me that, tell me the nitty gritty, like, how do you do that? Tell me how they actually, yeah. like how, you know, I was, I was really thirsty and I don't know, you know, maybe this is something, you know, you might want to consider, but maybe it's just me. But um, I've trolled through, like trailed through, sorry, um, podcasts before mm. looking for mathematics in unschooling, looking for English in unschooling. Um, I get it now, but it's taken nearly three years, you know. But I just yeah. wanted to hear, and I still am interested, you know, and I've listened to podcasts where there's professor, mathematic professors saying, I don't think kids need to be taught math in school. Like, I mean, I know that's one person's opinion, but I agree. I get what they're saying, you know. Yeah, and especially up in those upper levels. I've heard that multiple times from multiple people saying that, like, year 11 and 12, unless unless you're going to pursue a, an academic career in it, then don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly, because maths yeah. is and, and maths is happening all the time, and you wouldn't know that. If you were making your kids do mathematics and and they didn't have that time to, you know, just live and do maths, you know, and you didn't have the time to observe them just learning mathematics, you know, in everyday life. Mm. But I see it happening all the time and I'm like, my kids know stuff, you know. How, yeah. how, did, my, how did my seven-year-old kid who I've never, I've never sat down and done times tables with or made him do addition or sat there with little blocks and you know said this is tens and this is 20s you know he's in the playground and he's like you know mum um you know I've, I'm selling water I'm selling you know I'm selling a thousand liters of water and I and then when I say well I only want half <laughs> of that amount that's too much and he's like oh well, I'll give you 500 liters of water then so how did you know that how did you it's how crazy. did you know that like i didn't and he's not gifted you know like he's 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 just an ordinary kid because mm. it's everywhere we just if they're exposed to the world and the world that we live in you can't help unless you've got learning difficulties or you know or learning disabilities then you'll naturally pick it up well, right? but yeah it's a, it's a living example yeah. of it and it blows me away it blows me away a lot actually you know, just, just. Yeah, it does just, me too. It still gobsmacks me sometimes what comes out of their mouths. I'm like, but. How did you know that? But, Where did you learn that? Yes. And, and then, yeah, you know, oh. and then I have to sit down and I have to, you know, pick, pick away when it comes to review time and, and actually um, describe how my kids have learned all this stuff. 
<laughs> you know, I'm like, well, I know. Do you want to talk about that yeah. then while we're on that role? Yeah. So um, talk to us about how you record your homeschooling when you unschool and road school because like you, we were saying earlier, it's, that was probably the thing that was the biggest block and stumped us the most when both of us were looking to homeschool our kids. Yeah, um, it's no different for me really than being at home because we we don't learn in some different way when we're at home and then we learn differently on the road. I just believe that my children are learning all the time. So I don't I don't have maths books to pull off the shelf to show and prove that my children know how to, you know, do division or they know how to do their times tables. I don't. Mm. But what I do have in everyday life is I have these little conversations that, you know, that pop up with my kids and, you know, it might be that we're in a a fruit and veggie store and, and my daughter's wanting like a bag full of organic peaches and I'm like, well, that's really expensive. Okay, you know, you can $8 worth, you know, can you go and weigh them and can you figure out $8 worth? Mm. You know, um, and she likes to do that and she doesn't. She figures it out and I get on with my shopping and she goes over to the scales and, you know, maybe she needs a hand. But, you know, that's that's mathematics in, in, in the living moment. And the unfortunate thing that I do have to do is at the end of the day I, you know, I don't do this all the time and I'm doing it less and less, which is making my reviewing a little bit harder for myself. But I, I record that moment. I record what happened in that moment and I write it down and, you know, sometimes I put a little visual with it if I've got a picture of our day of what's going on um, and and then I pick out the mathematics in that so that I can, you know, I can tell the home homeschool officer when they come and they review me, um, I can tell them this is what this is what we've done. This is an example of how my kids are learning and, 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 and it's okay, that's actually, that's fine. They're happy for that. It takes a lot more work on my behalf. It would be a lot easier if I could just pull off a book from the shelf going, like, here's you, here's you three <laughs> mathematics, we did this whole book, bang. Um, but I can't. So it just takes a little bit of extra work on my behalf and my kids don't know that I'm doing that and, and, I'm, and I'm glad for that because it just, it's an unnatural process as far as I'm concerned, having to make these, um, make these records when um, through them just living naturally. But that's okay. That's what I have to do. Hey, it's Nikki here interrupting this episode to quickly say if you're like us and feeling torn between your career as an educator versus your beliefs for child development, then we've created a five-step e-guide to unlock your purpose without compromising your values. This treasure map is completely free, takes just 10 minutes and is available from our Raising Wildlings website. So why not dive in and see how you go? Okay, now back to the episode. Yeah, when you just to clarify, and we, like, this is really helpful for people that have, have no idea about it. Do you have any tips or tricks for your recording? Do you have a spreadsheet? Yeah. Do you just have a notebook? Like, how do you keep your stuff yeah. organized so you can do the report? Oh, and for, let's backtrack even further. 
in SA, I don't know if it's different to Queensland, um, what do you have to submit at the end of the year for, um, here it's a home education unit. I don't know what it is. In South, South Australian Australia. Home Education Department. Yeah, so we get reviewed once a year um, and we have mm-hmm. someone come to our house and they can see where we're living, how we live. Um, we do have to fill in and answer questions for every every subject of the curriculum and how we are addressing mm-hmm. that with our kids. So I have to do that for each child. It ends up being pages and pages and pages of, of documentation. And um, and mm-hmm. what I do throughout the year to to keep a record because again I don't have I don't have lots of hard copy, you know, I don't have textbooks to show them or, you know, um, folders of, you know, written work that my children have done. Um, I often you know, I'll take photos. So if if we're out and about, I'm always taking photos anyway. So I've always got my phone with me. So if we're at a an event or an excursion or just something happens in the day, I might just, you know, we might be playing Monopoly and there might just be some really, you know, amazing learning that I can see going on and I'll just take a photo and then at the end of the week or end of the day, I'll go through my photos and it will trigger, oh, yeah, that's right, we did that. And I record, I actually have a, I actually have set up for myself and just my husband, a group on Facebook where Mm -hmm. I will pop up a photo um, of a learning experience um, and then I will take out all the learning um, subjects that we covered um, with that learning experience. And there's so many, there usually is so many that come up in one it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. I remember isn't it? there being fourteen on one um, amazing. It was a, it was an Aboriginal um, trail that we walked on that had all these art installations in the Adelaide Hills, and the children mm. got taught. Um, they they saw dancing. They got taught um, language. They were taught how to cook traditionally, a, a uh, like a fish in clay, and. Um, they just engaged in so much of the learning criteria. It was amazing. And and I think in the beginning when we first started unschooling, for me it really comforted me because I was able to go, wow, they are actually learning. I'm actually ticking all these boxes and this is amazing. Mm. So I write it down in my on this Facebook page um, and then when it comes to our review, I'm able to word search so I can tap in English or I can tap in language and everything that we've done oh, genius. just comes up and I can revisit it and I can mm. write about it and I can talk about it. It refreshes my memory. Um, yeah, and, and that's how I do it. Everybody does it differently, but that's what works best for me. Perfect. I love that that's attached to photos and too because, like you said, they do need evidence sometimes and I think that's probably the hardest thing as unschoolers that we know that we're, we're doing it and we know that they're learning but because that's there's not right. the textbooks or the written work sometimes the only thing Absolutely. we have is images and then how we store those so we're not going through 20,000 photos at the end of the year. That's Absolutely. a genius idea. Yeah, I and, I mean, even thing. my daughter might write a letter mm. to, you know, to a friend or they might do a birthday card and, and we don't keep that because it gets passed on or a postcard. So, you know, yeah. I can just quickly take a photo of it and, um, you know, that there, there's some writing, there's some English and and. And a photo, you know, mm. it works perfectly. All right, let's get chatting about your trip out back. So first of all, let's, I guess, 
let's pretend it's it's pre-COVID. What what was your week like? Really, we'll just do it really briefly. What was a typical week like for your family activity wise? And then what changed? And then what was the you know the straw that broke the camel's back to go yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. We're out of so um, we have a beautiful community here that we in the Adelaide Hills that we catch up with on a weekly basis, and you know several times a week in some cases, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden. When COVID hit, um, all the excursions, all the regular activities like chess class, ballet, you know, those sort of things, they were all cancelled and we were at home mm. and we're thinking <laughs> what, what, what happens now <laughs> and what's going to happen and we're watching what was going on in Italy and up in China and places around the world and it was really scary and mm. and. I didn't know if that was going to be us next. And, yeah, so I was. it felt a little bit like staring our own mortality in the face. It was like, you know, is this going to be us soon? Um, I feel claustrophobic at the thought of being locked into my house, even though we live on a property. Um, so that, for me, was a trigger. I thought, right, we've got nothing on. We've got no nothing to answer to. Let's go. Let's go away. Um, my husband couldn't because mm. with his work, it just got even busier with the with the whole COVID thing. Mm. And um, I thought, okay, we can't leave South Australia because all the borders were locked. It's winter. It's coming into winter. Where, where can we go? Where can we go? I'm going to take the kids on the Uber to the track. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I love it. For those of you... That- for those of you, especially our global listeners that have never heard of the Udna Data track, there's a saying in Australia that is like whoop whoop, which is yeah, Udna whoop whoop yeah. nowhere, which is yeah. the middle of, middle of desert. Nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It really it really is. And I've Out always back. wanted to do it. And I've always, the big mm. dream is to, as a family, get in the car, take the caravan, travel around Australia. It's not happening any time in the near future because my husband, he, he just he can't at the moment, so it's not the right timing for us. And, mm. and all of a sudden I thought, oh, my gosh, we just got to do everything we can and, and just get out there and, and get the kids away from all this COVID talk. It was really distressing for them and me. And um, going out into Whoop Whoop felt like a really good idea. <laughs> and... and <laughs> Yeah, and and you know what? And it was. It was great. And my neighbour, she has two homeschool children as well, and I said to her, hey, what do you think? We're going two weeks. Do you want to come? We're going to go. I'm going to go with or without you. And um, silently really hoping she was going to come with me because I was really scared, (laughs) but I was determined. And, um, And she said, yeah, I'll come. So we all piled in my car uh it was four kids and two adults it was jam-packed yeah so good this must have it been was, so full we had we had uh, <laughs> one kid in the boot in a chair of course but it folds out there's a chair in there and then mm-hmm. three in the back and then her and I and we attached a cage trailer to the car with the biggest esky you've ever seen and we had a fridge <laughs> in my car and we literally packed enough food for two weeks so yeah and um we took as little as we could um but we took heaps of water and we took heaps of food and and we just went we Mm. just went and um 
it was the best thing and it just it just ignited something in me and it was like we have to keep doing this this was amazing mm. i can do this it was so empowering um and crazy yes. Yes, to be doing that on my first trip um on my own <laughs> You did it properly. If you're going to do it, why not go all out? I know. Data, <laughs> no husbands, no other cars None. to pull you None. out in case you get bogged. No, just <laughs> broken down. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, there was no one out there because all the borders were closed. And oh, eerie. we passed maybe four cars in about 20 hours of driving. I'm not joking. It was crazy. There was just no one, hardly anyone out there at all. Wow. Were there any perks to that? Oh, to having no one out there. Definitely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We 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 went up to the to the top of South Australia, as far as we could in the desert, and um, went to a place called Dalhousie Springs, which is um, even more remote than even a data track. <laughs> and, Stunning. Um, it, yeah, and it was on the edge of the Simpson Desert, and we had the entire place. It was a hot spring. It's around about 40 degrees in the water and mm. we had the whole campground at the hot spring to ourselves for 24 wow. hours, which is apparently unheard of. I was going to say, I went probably with my family as a kid camping, so let's say 30 years ago and it was not yeah. like that then. <laughs> there you go. It was busy. It was. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like it would be now, but it was still a very known tourist spot even then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. so we had it to ourselves, which was incredible. Yeah. So good. Um, how did you go with the homeschooling on the road? Well, I don't differentiate schooling with life, so yeah. it just continued to happen. Um, the children were learning new things all the time. We met some amazing people. Um, we met an Aboriginal elder called um, Uncle Reg. Uh, Reg Dodd, he's an Arabana elder from Murray, which mm-hmm. is um, on the Udnadatta track. And um, when when we got to uh, Murray, we f- we found um, Reg, and he offered to take us out onto the Udnadatta track and up to Lake Eyre, oh, wow. um, and told the children um, his dreaming stories of the area. Mm. Took us to took them to Mount Springs. He sung to them. He told them the the dreaming stories. Um, he took us to places where only he had permission to go. So off the beaten track, um, and we walked on ground in the middle of Australia that millions of years ago used to be covered by sea. And mm. my children found fossilized cockle shells. The size of two of your palms put together. Wow, that's huge. Amazing, Mm. incredible. This stuff was everywhere and my children are picking this up and finding it on the ground and and he's telling them about it and he's teaching them how to tread softly on the land and, you know, um, tidy your tracks and and, and make it, you know, respect the land. Mm. Um, So Beautiful. that there, there, there's learning. You, you, I mean, learning that in a book and then learning it and feeling it, seeing it and smelling it, it's just something else that they will never forget. 
No, isn't it? It's that connections, connections to real people, real compassion yeah. and real understanding, isn't it? So important. And connection to the land, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So these are the experiences that we have when we when we, we go to them and we get outside and, and, and we live it. Mm, so amazing. How did you, because I know this will be a question we'll get asked, is, you know, two women on your own, one vehicle, what kind of things did you do to make yourselves feel safe out in the road? You know, it's it's funny. Before I left, I had, um, I, I was nervous, to be honest. I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we were out there, I, I felt so safe. I, I mean, there was mm-hmm. no one out there. <laughs> there, was no, there was no one there. And, and, I, and I always, I, I felt that as long as we had enough water, and enough food that we'd be okay. And I always made sure we told someone where we were going. So mm. the the biggest um, the biggest danger, I guess, was was probably um, you know breaking down and mm. and not seeing anyone because there was no one passing by. Um, but as long as someone knew where we were supposed to be, and if we didn't turn up, that we were probably between A and B, um, then I felt okay with that. Yeah. And we had enough supplies for like a week. Perfect. So, um, how was your signal out there? None. <laughs> I didn't have a signal out there. Um, I, I didn't have signal out there and, and I'm going to probably be judged for this, but I, I didn't have um, any devices. Um, and oh, Sounds amazing. I, yeah, and I had to actually... When we went out to Dalhousie, which was a, it ended up being about a, it was about a four-hour drive into towards the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, I told a roadhouse that we were going out there, and he asked me. He said, "Okay, I need to know how many days do you plan on being out there?" And I said, three. And he goes, "Okay, well, if you if you haven't reported back to me in four days, um, I'll send a light plane out looking for you." Yeah, yeah, and he had my husband's phone number and my husband had his phone number. So if no one had heard from us, they knew that there was something wrong. Um, so that was our fallback plan. Everything went well. But I must say, um, after that trip, I have I have invested, because we're going to keep travelling, mm-hmm. um, I, I have invested in a satellite device. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if, um, if if we are ever really remote and something happens there, I have satellite communication. I have a button on there that I can just press and a, and a helicopter will come no matter where I am. Um, yeah, perfect. The e mm, They're amazing. Isn't it? How amazing yeah. is technology when we need it? It really, yeah. it's unbelievable. And can I just say a big thank you to the Roadhouse attendant because that's not something he has to do or offer that service but you know again he's a human and he cares for other humans and if we all just cared for other humans oh yeah that's right yeah Yeah. i mean the people people out of the country people they always say they're friendly they are (laughs) and that's a person who data and it's just yeah amazing right yeah Mm. so meeting meeting these beautiful people it was just and that's all we met when we were when we are traveling we just meet lovely people. Mm. 
Yeah. How do the kids go? Oh, you took other kids, so I was going to say, how do the kids go entertaining themselves? But you brought the biggest entertainment. Yeah, another, <laughs> another, another set of kids. Yeah, yeah, one each. Genius. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is the trick, I think, in travelling, always going with, <laughs> with the more kids. Um, it helps with the, the bickering. Oh, it's amazing, you know. I, I used to, when we used to travel, I used to make sure I had all these colouring in books and dot to dots and I had movies and I had all this entertainment, travel board games to play in the car. They don't do any of it. They might mm. 10 minutes. They really don't. They they look out the window and they just look because it's amazing and it's beautiful and, and they listen to them. I listen to um, podcasts. But sometimes they sit in the car for hours. Sometimes we really need to um, get somewhere and that might be five, six hours in the car. Mm. And they're okay with that. I always ask them, are you okay? Yeah, fine. And they're really happy just to look out the window. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing really. We think kids need to be entertained all the time, but they they really don't. <laughs> I um, read an article somewhere. They were talking about kids and free time and how little free time they have. And they said, long gone are the days where children could look, just look outside the window as they drove somewhere and process and just think and let their brains imagine and daydream. So our kids yes. just don't even have the daydreaming time that they used to have or that time to process right. emotions or things that have happened in the day because, you know, I'm guilty for it. I always shove a book in their hands or something else. But like you said, more often than not, they just they put the book down and stare out the window. <laughs> They really do. They really do. And and the only way I can relate to that is when I'm driving these long distances, you know, people say, oh, that's so far to drive. I find, especially driving the outback, it's almost meditative for me. I mean, I'm not getting sleepy mm. behind the wheel, but it's I just am invigorated by the beauty and the nothingness and the large sky, the 180 degree large yeah. sky and blue sky at that. And my son says the same thing. I love the desert, Mum. I love it. I love it out here. Um, can we live out here? No, mm. <laughs> really. But it's you know it's 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 beautiful. It's relaxing, mm. and I enjoy driving and and doing that. And they they enjoy it too. I think it's so, so I, I did similar trips when I was a kid with my family, and it's funny. I haven't camped in a swag again for gosh, at least 10 years, you know, we've been in tents and, and whatnot. But just this, I've just come back from Lennox Heads with um, Vicky and another friend and we just threw, all of us threw swags in. And when I laid down the first night and I laid down and all I could see was the stars, I just had this huge sense of safety and of being a child again and wrapped up so warm in my snug swag and yeah eyes up at the sky and that's not the outback sky I've never seen blue skies or starry skies like I've seen in the outback yeah yeah zero light pollution yeah there's something yeah. about that yeah. yeah it really is so it just it just gives me hope that you know even if it is 30 years later or 40 years later that our kids will get that same sense of oh gosh I was loved and oh gosh you know we had some special times when we were kids mm doing these things and having yeah. spending time as a family because it's getting harder and harder to do where we're not taking trips that are all about entertainment. You know, we're going to the theme parks or we're going sure. to go and do something, whereas I think with these trips there's so much time to just be and get to know ourselves as a family again. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and they, look, my kids would, you know, 
they love the theme parks. They really want to come to Queensland yeah. and go to the movie world. <laughs> Nothing um, wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but um, but there's, there's just something, yeah, about just being out there and just seeing a camel train. Yes. <laughs> you know, walking across the desert or, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, you know, one of the highlights my daughter keeps telling is uh, we were we were on a we're on a girls' trip, just her and I, and we we're driving uh, the Nullarbor, and um, she really wanted to see a thorny thorny devil lizard. Oh! And um, I was driving, and they're tiny, but I saw this weird shape on the road, and I thought, I reckon that might have been it. And I, no, oh, stopped the car and turned around and went back. It was. We got mm. out and we we watched it cross the road and we checked him out and. Amazing, you know, and um, you know, just those little moments. You you can't drive to them; they just got to happen. No, so true, isn't it? Like you can yeah. go and see a thorny devil at, at the zoo some, somewhere sometimes, but it's not the same, is it's it? It's not the same. It's not the same. It's just when there's that surprise and you know, feel of adventure about it, mm. and um, and it stays in their memory, and they and yeah, yeah. So. I forgot about the Nullarbor trip. Tell us about the Nullarbor. So, again, for our, our global listeners, the Nullarbor has the longest, straightest stretch of road in Australia. That's right. Um, it's, it's the start. The Nullarbor plain is actually not far from where I grew up on the west coast of the Air Peninsula in South Australia. Um, yeah, tell us all about that. Yeah, it means treeless plain. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not lying. <laughs> well, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to fill you in on something. There are a few trees on there. And, and when you see, hang on. Why yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the Nullarbor. So last year we did the Nullarbor. Oh, believe it or not, we did it so 2020. Mm-hmm. We went halfway across and then got stopped because of bushfires um, oh, and came gosh. back and, oh. and went to Streaky Bay. Um, mm. Yeah. My uh, stomping yeah, ground. Yeah, oh. your, your hometown. We <laughs> love your hometown, Streaky Bay. Um, mm. So we stayed there for a week until the fires cleared. Then we went over all the way to WA. And we went back. <laughs> and then we came back a few weeks later. And then in September, we um, because the whales, um, the whales mm. migrated and that wasn't happening when we drove across um, at Christmas time. So um, my daughter really wanted to see the whales and we had a week up our sleeve and I said, let's go. And my son didn't want to come. So he sat at home with dad and nanny and um, and uh, my daughter and I got in the car and we we drove out to the to the whales. It took us two days to get out to the Nullarbor mm. and, um, and we saw them and she sat there and she drew, painted them and drew them mm. and we watched them for hours and um, and it was amazing. And girls we had the best trip. time. It was a girls' trip. We slept in a swag um, on the Nullarbor and the entire night we had a, a dingo beach um, scratching around our tent. <laughs> 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 it was it was it was incredible. It didn't feel unsafe, but to be honest, oh, I knew there was something around the swag all night. I sensed mm. it and I could hear it. And we had another traveller say that the, it was it was scratching around our swag all night. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that was amazing. So we did that. We couldn't go over the Western Australian border because it was closed at the time. So we came mm. back and and we explored more of. Um, Western Outback South Australia, 
Hiltipper and the Gula Rangers. Um, oh, my friends used to own Hiltipper Station. No, didn't they? Yeah, good family friends. They're beautiful oh. people. That was a long, long time ago. They they sold up a long time before we left. So, yeah. Well, so, again, I've been out there. You need to I come know. back and, and see these places. Well, we're we'll hoping we to do a yeah, we're hoping to do a family road trip Christmas or um, around swimming lessons in January. The annual such a South Australian thing. I don't know if this happens Australia wide, but two weeks every year in country swim remote back. beaches. <laughs> yeah, yes. swim back. Yeah, back swim. Yes. We go and do two weeks of swimming lessons in the jellyfish infested uh, yes. Southern Ocean. <laughs> oh, so you want to take your kids to relive that experience that you had? That I hated, isn't it funny? I thought I hated. Yeah, as a, I hated parts of it as a young kid, but as I got older, yeah, and just it's not even the swimming lessons, it's the fact that every farmer and his dog and family are, are down at the beach then, so it's a great time to catch up with everyone and show them all the great spots that we got to hang out with as kids because it's still my soul place. Like if I think about if I, someone asked me, you know, go to your soul place, where is it when you meditate that you think of? Mine is um, St Mary's Rock Pool and Squeaky Beach at Point Brown oh. near Smoky Bay. So oh. I've lived oh, here I for. Been there. Oh, oh, there you go. I'll, okay. give, I'll give you the the local details I need another to go day. There. Yeah, yeah, but you know I've been here fifteen years, and that's still like it's left such an imprint being raised there. So I think again, that's just that reminder to us that it's so important for our kids to have access to those nature places and to feel like yeah. they have a sense of place in a nature space somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Whether it's your backyard or not, it doesn't matter, but somewhere that they can go to, whether that's in their mind or when they're having a rough day, that they can go and just find some peace. I think it's yeah. so important. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a under, definitely undervalued tourist destination, the Air Peninsula. It's so magical. The beaches are, you know, d- deserted oh, and stunning. They are amazing. Yeah, don't tell anybody. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness! But look, the weather's not the weather's not for the faint-hearted. You can have a forty-two degree day one Mm. day, and then you (laughs) and then you can have twenty-one the next, and and high winds. I mean, I've never seen winds anything like it. Um, (laughs) You know, so yeah. You got you, you got to be good at adapting. It's it's pretty rugged. But yeah, maybe. it certainly is, and I, yeah. I still can't believe that farmers, our farmers, survive there. My dad's a farmer's there, and I just think you know he won't um, put a dollar in the pokies, but essentially you're gambling there as a farmer. It's just mm. such a you know Mother Nature's in control there. So hats off to all our farmers putting yeah. bread and beer on our tables because yeah, gosh, it's not right. an easy way to carve a living. <laughs> no, no, that's right. No, not at all. Mm. So what else, homeschooling-wise, is there any tips or advice that you'd like to give families um, that are maybe, you know, just questioning whether they could do it or wanting to dip their toe in but are just a bit worried about it? I believe most people have a big misconception about what homeschooling is. Mm. In fact, I didn't even quite get it when we began homeschooling and until you start living it, and um, de-schooling yourself out of thinking that you can only learn by being fed information um, in a classroom. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, look, mm. I think it's fantastic. I don't know what advice to give. If you're on the fence, do your homework. Listen to these mm. podcasts. 
<laughs> That's oh. what really inspires me is listening to podcasts like uh, you and Vicky. I think it, they're amazing. They oh, really give a you. really good true insight into homeschooling. And I think my question when we started is I would ask these unschoolers, I would say, tell me, what do you do every day? Mm. <laughs> and no one really answered me and I go back to these same friends and I start asking you these questions and it was like a bit of a, well, um, blah, 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 I want to cut a tea. It was like yes. nobody really answered my question. I never really um, got a good picture as to, you know, how are your kids learning? And I think a lot of people feel judged mm. because we're going against the grain by not doing a curriculum. Yeah. Um, and perhaps looking like we don't agree with how, you know, the next person is educating their child by putting them in school. I mean, I don't care how somebody educates their child. No, that's up to them. But there are so many ways to learn. There are so many ways to learn. And you can do that with your children however you wish. And that is probably actually not comforting to a lot of people. <laughs> because they go, wow, well, I don't know how to do that. I'm not a teacher. Well, yeah. you don't need to be. You, as a parent, you're a teacher. Everyone's a teacher. We're all teachers to our children, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is just so much help out there now. There is, we have the internet. My goodness. You know, My you goodness. Can, wow. I mean, there, there are just, there are programs set up for children to learn Anything they wanted to learn, I like out school um, is amazing resource. Um, mm. American company that just honestly give me a topic, they'll have it on there. If you want to learn about um, rabbits, they'll have a course on rabbits. My daughter came <laughs> to me um, last week and said, "Mum, I want to learn about herbs and how they make people well again." Um, we've had a bit of sickness in the family. We've had the flu and chickenpox go through recently and she said you've had it a lot I know I know right I know we haven't yeah we've had the double whammy um after not being sick for a year but um we've been I've been giving herbs to the children and she wants to learn about it and Mm. I got online and I've found a course um the wild crafting on how to use herbs and how they heal um there's something for everyone there's help out there is that course with my high Marika by any chance? I don't know. Because we've got a running woman out. here locally who sells a book called Wildcraft and she's a herbalist. So I wonder if oh. it's the same thing. No, this lady's in America. This lady's in America and she's running the course um, for a age group around about, I think, eight years to 11 or something like that. And then she doesn't, yeah, no, this lady's in America. So it's an online thing. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, so there is so much help out there. There are, um, you know, there are communities. There, we're all we're there. There's so many of us. You know, someone said to me the other day, the homeschoolers are the biggest school in 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 Australia. There's so many of us, <laughs> and when right? you put it like that, <laughs> yeah, and and it's growing every year. It's growing. Um, I know in South Australia by about fourteen percent last year, and continuing wow. at that rate. Um, so there there are a lot of us out there. We don't walk around with you know big 
signs on our head saying we're a homeschooler, but there's lots <laughs> of us out there and, and just waiting to welcome new people into the fold and, and, um, and share the journey. Mm, I love that. That's a great way, I think, to end and to move on to our rapid fire questions. It is. It's, oh, you know, there's yeah. so much out there and, and the internet is your best friend and your community is your best friend because Absolutely. we wouldn't survive without, I shouldn't say we wouldn't survive, it would be a lot harder without the internet, but it would be near impossible without our community, I think. Yes, that's right. Mm, Absolutely yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Mm. All right, are you ready for some rapid-fire questions? Righto, throw them at me. Excellent. All right, here we go. What is your favourite book of all time and why or what are you currently reading? Okay, so I'm not a big reader, um, so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go with what I'm reading at the moment. Um, Go for it. But my favourite book of, well, probably the most influential book on me um, of all time would be Parenting for a Peaceful World. Oh, yes. Um, oh. By the one and only Robin Grill. Mm. And I think I just, I read that book at the perfect time. I just had my first child and um, parenting started to look very different to me to what I thought it was going to be. And um, I read this book about how parenting customs um, shaped whole societies you know, mm. around the world throughout the ages. So interesting. So and interesting. So interesting how whole societies or, say, a whole country might just pa- practice the same parenting technique uh, without question, you know, and how that really affected, you know, outcome of, you know, the children and when they were adults and how it affected how they were and, how they saw the world and interacted with it. So um, that was a real eye-opening book for me. We um, we briefly touched on this when we first spoke to each other before the podcast and mm. I asked you, and I think I'd like to, to ask again, is yeah. was that the book that got you into attachment parenting and did attachment parenting mm-hmm. happen to lead you down the rabbit hole to homeschool? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. Yes, I, yes, I think so. Yes, I, I went into parenting, um, having my first child, and I was going to breastfeed for a year. I was going to have a year off work, and then I was going to get back to work as fast as possible. Same. Um, yeah, right. It seems to be the thing. We'll say like yeah. ten years ago. Where do we get it? that message from? I think it's because maternity leave is for yeah, one year. Yeah, actually, you're spot I think on. that dictates yeah. it a lot. Um, mm. I think finding countries, however long their maternity leave is, dictates when the women go back to work. Mm. So that's where I think we get that from. Um, and that's what I said. In fact, I had a newborn baby and I was still turning on my computer after that baby went to sleep, that two-month-old baby went to bed. And after barely sleeping myself and I'd be doing some work on the side and I don't know what I was trying to prove. I think I was just Mm. trying to prove I could do it all. Anyway, reading this book, that just, you know, yes, it did lead me into attachment parenting because um, I started to question the narrative Mm. of how we were, how people were doing this, you know, and why our mothers, they did not feel right for me to um, leave my child at one year of age and it doesn't mean that it's not okay for the next person but for me um, it didn't feel right and I started to notice that you know 
I was a bit different to other people, family attachment parenting group, which is, um, you know, a lot of that was, um, you know, extended breastfeeding. We all did a lot mm. of that, um, sleeping with our children, um, all these things I thought I'd never do. And <laughs> Same. It just made, yeah, right? Uh, and it just made me question everything. I started to question everything because um, it was about my children now. It wasn't mm. about me. So just going along with the crowd, um, well, you know, I had to question, you know, everything about that. Mm. Um, is that going to, is that the right thing for my child? And it's, yeah, it's that respectful communication, isn't it? And it comes back to almost consent about, well, do they want to sit down for six hours? Do they want to learn about dinosaurs when actually they're really interested in gum trees? You know, I know I'm really oversimplifying it, but it really does come back to honouring the individual. But, yeah, that's um, right. I heard That's Lucy right. Aiken Reed have a quote this week about wondering if we've entered this third generation of unschooling where we're no longer about, you know, just sovereignty and individualism at, at perhaps the harming of our community. It's quite the opposite. I feel like we're now, through this attachment parenting, we are raising individuals absolutely yes. and honouring that sovereignty, but yes. we're commu- creating these communities that can also honour each other's differences and celebrate yes. them. So. Gosh, I hope that's, it sounds good. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. I saw that. I saw, uh, I, I follow um, Lucy Atkin Reid and, um, yeah, I resonate a lot with what she says. And mm, Same. Yeah. Let's keep mm. building that um, community of individual community builders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Yeah. All right, number two, where do you go or what do you do to reset after a rough day? <laughs> you know what, I knew you were going to ask me this question because you told me. Because <laughs> you listen to the podcast. <laughs> thank you for preparing, yeah, for allowing me to prepare my answer. And I, I, I asked my husband, I said, hmm, what do I do to, um, yeah, to uh, relax after or reset after a hard day. And he said, you go into the butler's pantry on your phone and drink a glass of wine. <laughs> 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 so I'm just going to keep so it real. <laughs> I don't drink the whole bottle, but I do often um, do that. That is my happy place in the house um, where mm. there's nowhere else to go. No, but, um, oh, but so also... Good. I aim I, on creating a lifestyle with my family that I feel like I don't need to escape from. But, mm. of course, yes. I have those days, as we all do. And, mm. um, look, that's when I, I call for help, you know. Um, my husband, number one, can you come home from work early? Can you give me some time? You know, mm. and um, or I on the weekends, you know, if I need it, he'll he'll take the kids out and they'll go have a good time, and I just have some quiet time. Um, but I also find those moments within my day. So um, you know, I'm, okay, I'm homeschooling, but I'm I'm not in my kids' faces every minute of the day. And in yeah. fact, the kids are in the other room at the moment, and they're quite happily um, getting on with whatever they feel that they want to do and they haven't bothered me at all yeah so Mm. I get those moments and if I really need it if I'm feeling unwell if it's that time of the month I'll say Mm -hmm. kids I'm going to have a sleep yeah that's what I need right now and I feel that by doing that I'm also showing them to um honor their own feelings and look after themselves too because 
Um, that's important. That's learning. Oh, you know, I just literally got off the phone uh, recording a podcast with Lucy Peach, period queen, before I got on oh, the phone with you, yeah, okay. and she was talking exactly that. She said, if we communicate our needs, particularly to our children, then we're teaching them that they can ask for things as well and they can that's ask right. for help and to and show them what self-care looks like. So yeah, well done. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I do that a lot. <laughs> Roll one mm. of that. Yeah. yeah. And, but- I can, and I can because of our lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think a lot of people think that when you homeschool, because a lot of people enter homeschool or start thinking about it when their kids are about to enter school and, you know, they're still quite needy at that age. But, mm. you know, my kids are six and nine and how old are yours now? Um, mine are 11 and just nine, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, not that I don't see them, I obviously do see them, but they don't need me. I help them with food every now and then and if they need help or they want me to read to them, then, yes, I'll do that. But I'm certainly mm-hmm. not, like you said, in their face all day. There's a lot of... A lot of time in a day when I can get my space and self-care if I need to. Agree, absolutely. Mm, yeah. yeah. All right, number three, uh-huh. our loaded question. If you had to uh-huh. choose just one thing to change about the education system, oh. what would it be? Goodness. Mm. Okay, so this is something I must say I don't really think too much about anymore. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, because I'm the same. I, <laughs> I don't need to solve that problem anymore because my yeah. children are in school. And and just to just to let people know, I did have my kids in school for uh, one child was two years, the other one was you know six months. So mm. um, and it didn't work out well. Um, I didn't like what I was seeing from that. So I, gosh, that is such a big question. I can't think of any one thing that trumps another. Let's um, then, what was the, the straw that broke the camel's back for you to leave school then, if there was one? I'm sure it's always yeah, never was. just one, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't just one thing. You're right. It was mm. um, my daughter had been in school for two, two and a half years um, and I was just seeing it became normal for her every night for about an hour and a half at bedtime to download about the uh, it started to become a, a very toxic social interactions were going on mm-hmm. at school um, because these kids had to see each other every day, you know, five, six hours a day. And, um, mm. and you know, these toxic social structures start to form. And um, that was really worrying for me, but didn't seem to be enough for me to pull her out. But then when my son went to school, um, he was just so anxious. Mm. He was worried about doing the wrong thing. He did everything right, um, held himself together. The teacher said he was her dream student because he did everything she said. Mm. And then when I'd pick him up and he'd get in the car at the end of the day, he would just ask me what was for dinner. doesn't mm. matter what I said. It's the first thing he asked me. I would say it was his favourite meal. It was sausages and mash or whatever. And he would just start crying and mm. saying, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. And and it would go on for an hour or an hour yes. and a half every night. <laughs> and I just started to think, hang on, this is not about the sausages and mash. <laughs> no, it is not. It isn't. It is not. This is not okay. And, and uh we made a decision 
um, one Tuesday night, I just said to him, you know, he started he started to wet the bed, mm. he started to have night terrors, you know, uh, you know what's going on here, and and I just and I, there was nothing visible, there was nothing really that was going on, there was no bullying or anything like that. It was mm. just really stressful for him to be in this environment where he had to obey the rules that he actually said to me, Mum, how can I possibly know all the rules that there are in the school? Mm. I was like, good question. And so I said, you, do, you, do you want to go to school anymore? And he said, no, I don't. I said, you never have to go back to school again. Mm. End of story. Tuesday night, you're not going tomorrow. That's it, mm. done. Um, and then I was homeschooling. <laughs> I did not surprise. know. Oh, my goodness, surprise. I did not know what to do with myself. I just thought, wow, wow, what have I done? What? How do I do this? Um, yeah. Mm. So anyway, it was a blessing in disguise because um, I never considered homeschooling. Before, when mm. I was considering what school to put my children into, it was never a consideration. I think it should be. I really think it should be. It's it's not just the alternate for when school isn't working out. It's, yeah. it's a lifestyle. It's one that offers, um, you know, it is a privileged lifestyle, I must say. It mm. is one that means that one person has to work and the other one can't. Um, so... And we don't get funding mm. in Australia to homeschool. Um, we don't get Which help. Which is crazy. No, the money goes funding. to a school. Yeah, exactly. It does. But we don't get any of those benefits. I think we get a $50 sports voucher once a year. Um, but I think it really it, it should be a consideration when you're lining up. How am I going to educate my child? Is it going to be mainstream? Done in Montessori. You know, this is kind of a normal conversation. Hey, let's consider homeschooling. Yeah, throw it, it in the mix. Do oh, research. Yeah, yeah. And there's not much out there, though. I think that um, because it can be done in so many different ways, a lot of people, um, you know, it can be quite religious homeschooling communities. Mm. Um, and I think there's, I think there's a lot more unschoolers now who mm. uh, aren't necessarily religious based and um, are just living and teaching their kids, well, allowing their kids to learn in a different way. Mm. And it's, and it's, it's amazing. It's been so good for our family. It was such a blessing in disguise. Mm, I'm and so three glad. Years on, oh, we are just, we just like, I can never imagine ever going ever going back into the school system um, now mm. that I'm looking at it from the outside in. I just can't imagine doing it. I just I hope that people, like you said, as simple as we're going to research the local school, we're going to research the local private school, we're going to research homeschooling and unschooling and just see and just find out whether it's a possibility. And, you know, I totally understand that it's not for a lot of families and mm. that's cool, but... Um, it would be great if the government would be able to financially just pop that money that was going to the schools. Wouldn't it? Even if it was just purely for textbooks and online resources. Like Yes, yes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. like you said, just, just to throw it in the mix to even consider um, because I think there's so many other families out there that would benefit the same or more than school um, and I just wish people knew more about the benefits. Absolutely. Oh, mm. yeah, and I see it all the time and and I do see a lot of confusion on these online um, groups on Facebook where parents are saying, oh, I think, you know, my child's been bullied, I want to pull them out of school, but how do I homeschool? 
You know, what curriculum mm. do I choose? There's thousands of them. Well, you can choose a curriculum and you actually do have thousands of curriculums <laughs> to choose from. You don't have to do one curriculum that the Australian um, Education Department has given us. No, you can choose whatever you want and you don't even need to choose a curriculum. Yeah, you can just exactly. do it however you want. And, um, yeah, and it's so, so there's a lot good. of putting faith in, in the process, I must admit. And, yeah. Um, and until you start seeing it happen, yeah. you know, once you start living it, I really, you know, I don't know a lot of people believe it until they see it happening and, and that means taking a big leap of faith, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think, again, having these conversations and having meeting other children that are being homeschooled and realise, oh, you know, they can read, they can write, they are socially literate, you know, that yeah. helps. So go out, like go and, go and join an unschooling group for a couple of weeks and see if you, if that you can find a fit and just give it a go because nothing's permanent, school or unschooling, you know, you can always change your mind. That's right, exactly, mm. isn't it? You can always change your mind. So yeah. good. What a perfect way to, to end that, I think. That's yeah. a really just a... The flexibility to it and nothing's permanent. So, Lisa, where can we find out more about uh, you and your your trip? Okay, so um, I do have an Instagram page mm-hmm. called Learning on the Road. Beautiful. I'll put this in the show notes. If it inspires somebody else to to, to pick up and travel and, yeah. and and travel Australia with their kids, a lot of people. That, a lot of homeschoolers, in fact, the majority, are mums at home with their children and husband working. I'm not saying all. There's a lot mm. of people that have, um, you know, shared, they, you know, the work. Yeah, but it is, it is the majority. It is the majority, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot out there and, um, you know, it, and people who doesn't love travelling and going on holidays and you can do it really cheaply. So mm. if it can just inspire some people to go out and and travel then great so I'd be happy amazing and we'll also link uh your article on kids spot in the show notes as well oh sure okay amazing thank you so much for joining us Lisa it's been really fabulous chatting it feels like we've known each other for years I can't wait to meet either here or next time we're in Adelaide hopefully and have our kids (laughs) have a fun I might make it over there first. I've, I've got something in the pipeline. So, um, yeah. Perfect. Come on up. <laughs> I, might see, yeah, I might see you around September. We'll see. We'll see how it all goes. Excellent. Yeah. So um, we'll say see you for now, but thanks so much. Check out Lisa at Learning on the Road and until then, stay wild. Hope you enjoyed listening to Lisa and her kids' story of road schooling all through the outback of South Australia. It really is something. If you haven't got there, look, this time during COVID when we can't go anywhere else, now is the time to hit the road and take those kids, particularly if you're homeschooling. You know, there's so much to be learned on the road that we just can't do in the classroom. So have a go, have a crack, be brave, learn some new skills and make some memories. Before you go, we would absolutely love it if you could hit subscribe on our podcast or if you could share to a friend or if you'd just like to share on your socials. Getting our podcast out to more parents means that we get more children 
feeling like they're being seen and heard and respected. So thank you for passing on the message and thank you for helping our children be respected. We really appreciate it. Until next week, stay wild. If you enjoyed this episode of Raising Wildlings, then we invite you to check out Your Wild Business, our signature business course for education changemakers who are ready to create or refine their own nature play businesses. Your Wild Business is the only program that focuses on the business side of nature play with sustainable practices, processes, and systems that will cut down your admin work, giving you more time to focus on building a business that is centered around your educational philosophies whilst working around the current legislation and red tape. And you'll become a part of our wonderful community of other education changemakers leaping forward into the big, wide world of business. We'd love for you to be a part of it. So why not come and check out Your Wild Business on the Raising Wildlings website today?